Welcome to the Claudio Rosano Show on ClaudioRosano.com, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Claudio will be speaking to sports legends from the 70s, 80s, and 90s about their careers, business, and what they're doing now. He will also hold roundtable discussions with some old friends about trending topics in the world of sports. And now, here's Claudio. Hello, I want to thank you so much for tuning into the Claudio Ralsana Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. As always, I want to thank our wonderful sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Don's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call Dom at 412-372-3667. Great food. Great people, great place. Go to Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. Criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson Laurie with offices located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. Call Eric at 412-963-9308. All of our sponsors, Dr. Roscoe, Dom, Pecora, and Eric Jackson Laurie. Wonderful people, great at what they do. Now, every once in a while, we have something called a simulcast. Obviously, I do the Claudio Relsano show, but I also do Italian Impact Weekly and Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Well, we're going to do a simulcast with our very special guest that Steve and I interviewed on Talking Business and Life. That is former light former WBC lightweight boxing champion David Diaz. David was a member of the 1996 Olympic team. He's a multi, multi-time uh, Golden Gloves champion. He won the WBC lightweight title, beating Hall of Famer Eric Morales in 2007. And as you know, I love athletes who've done well after their respective careers. David is the founder and owner of Main Event Real Estate out of Chicago. He's doing great there. He's a mentor. He's recently been voted into the Florida Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, David's a great guy, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Along with our sponsors, we also have an event uh, coming up that I will be there for. It's called uh, Let's Party for KC, and that's Kennedy Catholic High School. Uh, it will be on a Tam O'Shanner Golf Course at 2961 South Hermitage Road, Hermitage, Pennsylvania, 16148. That will be May 18th, 2024. Uh, the donation is $100 per golfer, so try to get some foursomes. It's a great event. And uh, for more information, please, or to register, please call Maria Metters at 330-559-8891. Again, May 18th, let's party for KC. That's Kennedy Catholic, High, uh, Catholic School. It's a great place. I'm going to be doing a speech there in a couple weeks. Wonderful people. Great cause. Again, call Maria if you're interested at 330-559-8891. Welcome to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Claudio and Steve will share their business and life experience to help you grow your business and improve your life. Here's Claudio and Steve. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. My name is Claudio Relsano. And I am Steve Mancini. 
we have a very special guest on today. You know, we call the show Talking Business and Life, and we are going to definitely do that today with a superstar. He is the former WBC lightweight champ, boxing champion of the world, member of the 1996 Olympic team, Chicago Golden Gloves champion four times, national Golden Glove champ three times. He Again, he won the belt in 2007. He's also the founder, owner of Main Event Real Estate. He's a mentor to the youth. And just, I believe, last week he was voted into the Florida Boxing Hall of Fame, Mr. David Diaz. David, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thank you so much, Claudio, for having me, man. Appreciate it. You're always there for me. We've had you on the Boxing Authority show, and, and you were a huge hit. And I appreciate you taking time now. Thank you. No, no, no problem. All right, brother. Well, let's first start off for everybody. Uh, what started you in boxing? What started me in boxing was yes. my dad. My dad uh, took me to the gym at eight years old, and I fell in love. <laughs> fell in love with the sport. Fell in love with hitting hitting kids and <laughs> and <laughs> and hitting and them hitting, trying to hit me back, you know. And obviously, it was uh, it was fun, and it was more of a competitiveness for me. As a young kid, uh, I loved winning trophies. I loved winning quarter-sized me uh, medals, boxing medals. That was that was my my joy. You know, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Now, when and you I say got you, you got that, love the trophies and all that kind of stuff, do you still have all of those trophies and medals? I have a few medals. The only things that survived was a couple of medals. <laughs> okay, a couple of medals, not the trophies. Um, my sisters would break them on purpose because my mother would 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 make them clean up, <laughs> dust them off. Yeah, my sisters all, hey, it's, it's okay, it's understandable. Now you said you started when you were eight. When did you know? When did it hit you? Say, hey, wait a minute, I'm better than these guys. I'm I'm a I'm a couple levels ahead of them. I can maybe turn this into a pro career. Um, not necessarily a pro career, but when I knew I had it that I was like, man, I could, I could hang with these guys was when I was like about 15 years old and I won the Junior Olympic National Tournament here in the U.S. And um, that's when I was like, you know what? I, I think I can make a run at, at something nice. You know, that's when my Olympic dream started. You know, when I knew I, I represented the U.S. In, in Ireland, I was very, you know, motivated to try to hear the... Uh, uh, Star Spangled Banner uh, when when I won, but unfortunately it didn't happen. <laughs> but but hey, we were able to represent the U.S. and and walk into uh, uh, Atlanta Stadium and and um, have Muhammad Ali light the torch for the game. So yeah. I guess that's a win for me, man. You know. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, it's funny you said something. You said I get to hit kids, and it's illegal. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... At the time we were the same age, so it was fun. You know, you know um, it's funny because uh, I think that's why Catholic school, like you know, in the old days, the old priests, <laughs> they used to have the kids box. And I think that was the way to let them get the yeah. tension out. Just beat the crap out of each other. Everybody walks away. Right, and there's no animosity. <laughs> right. When you lose, you call it a day. That's right. You know what? And you become more confident. And you as a man, because like you said, you win some, you lose some, but at least you know you stepped into the ring. You got right. hit, and you hit, and, that, and that's it. And um, this is another thing, right? It's like uh, one of those things that if you do come across that bully or whatever, at least he's going to have a second 
second thought of, oh, well, Benal, maybe I'm not going to mess with that guy. <laughs> Bullies that are usually the weakest. Back. Right, that's right. Yeah, Bullies are usually back. the weakest, I do tell you that's, the truth. Then that's what I'm saying. It's like once you start boxing back, once you start throwing punches back, they're like, ah, never mind. Let's see, let's find somebody else. <laughs> now let me ask you a question because you're kind of a you're a traditional boxer, you know, with with all the with all of the you know the mixed martial arts and all this MMA stuff, you know, that's out there. How do you feel about that as kind of an old traditional boxer? Um, they're they're becoming what boxing used to be, all fighting and and no, um, how can I say this politics or or favoritism or anything like that. The guy that they went to war and they fought hard. Nowadays, I mean, I get it. I mean, you want to protect yourself a little bit more and you want to box more. But I, I just feel we're, we're losing uh, uh, that battle to MMA because of that. Guys are not trying to, to fight each other, and they're always trying to protect that zero. And listen, man, everybody loses. There's only one guy so far that has done it, and he did it to, to the T, which is Floyd. But he did it in the business manner. And he did it phenomenally well. It's not going to be repeated ever again. Now, being Italian, I got to mention two other guys, three oh, guys who had zero: yeah. Yeah. Rocky Marciano, Joe Calzaghe, and even Joe Macy. They, they all. Yeah. You know, I got to throw that yeah. in, David. No, no, no. And then it's understandable. <laughs> but I guess how I can say the marketing way he right. did it. No, you're phenomenal. right. You're right. You're right. Phenomenal. Now, when you were coming up. Uh, I always talk about it. I, I had my goals and dreams, and I had wonderful parents to support me from the beginning to the end. But there was also a lot of people who were against me and wanted to see me fail and were very negative. And I used that to motivate me. Did you have, you don't have to name them, of course, or titles, but did you have people say to you, ah, you're not going to make it in boxing, grow up, get a real job, or things of that <laughs> nature? Well, the first one that comes to mind is, is my sister. But she didn't do it in a malicious way, okay. right? She just she 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 was never happy with me fighting. She never went to none of my fights. She never saw my fights in, on TV because she just couldn't see the me getting hit. Sure, she hated. So she would one time when I was young, I was about uh, 16, 17 years old. She actually told me, she's like, hey, man, why don't you just leave that stuff alone? <laughs> you're going to end up you're gonna end up being dumb. Um, and why don't you just go get a job? Just sure. go get a job. And then I'm the one that I, I told her, no, nah, I don't want to. I want to. And this is when I, 15, 16, uh, 17, I was, like, really into the Olympics. I want to make the Olympics. And I told her, I, I just want to do the Olympics. And if I get to, to be there, you know, when I have kids, my kids can say my, my father was an Olympian. And if they deny, oh, yeah, right, whatever. Go look up David Diaz from Chicago. That's right. That's right. You know? And we got to mention, boxing people know Zab Judah was one of the greats, especially in the yes. Olympics. And you beat him not only one time, not only twice, yes. but you beat him twice in eight days. Talk about yes. that. And, and then when you did beat him, did that really give you confidence to say, hey, wait a minute, I really – can do something big here. Well, see, the the funny thing about that is that um, with Zab Judah, we met in the of that year as well, like in early '95 or was it '94? There there was a PAL national tournament, and that was the first. Um, uh, if you win that tournament, the national tournament, 
you get an automatically bid into the Olympic box office. Okay. So that would have been the first, that was the first one. So I, you know, you wouldn't have to go through the Eastern trials, Western trials, USA boxing or nothing. It would, that would have been the first one. And then all you have to do is concentrate on, on that, on, on the box office. I ended up fighting him uh, in the championship. Right. And I ended up losing to him in the PAL Nationals. And that's where I was like, oh, my goodness. I, I honestly feel I didn't lose. But, again, you, you know how every fighter says, oh, I don't think I lost that fight. <laughs> but it is what it is, right? <laughs> you know? But then we went, I went through, around that time, some personal issues and I, after, after the fight. Not, they didn't have anything to do with it. But I just I didn't get called up to the at-large because uh, later on I, um, I didn't make the, the USA uh, uh, national tournament because I was overweight, I had eaten too much and stuff like that. So a lot of things kept, kept on pushing me back from tournaments. So the only one that I really tried for was the PAL Nationals. And then the last tournament that I was going to be able to uh, uh, compete in to make the Olympic trials was for me to win the Chicago Golden Gloves and then the National Golden Gloves. And that's how I ended up in the Olympic trials and fighting Zab Judah three times within one year. David, let me go back you know? to something you said, though. You, you, know, you talked about how you said your sister didn't like watching you fight. But basically, she didn't want to see you get hurt. You know, in hind- let me ask you a question. In hindsight, you know, when you look at younger folks that are going out there to fight, I mean, number one, do you feel like you, that you have anything, like, I, I don't want to say, like, in a, you know, a bad way, but, like, do you feel like mentally, hey, man, this, this does hurt? And is it something that you would say, no, 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 I, I would still tell people boxing's not bad. And I'll, I'll give you why. There are a lot of people who are saying, you know what, with all the traumatic brain damage in football, they don't want their kids playing football anymore. Correct. So, you know, when you look at boxing, you're like, hey, listen, the, the name of the game is to get punched and not get, you know, punch and get punched. It's going to happen. And, you know, you, you fought a lot, man, and you started young. Do you feel like, yeah, no, I can, I can see maybe I feel a little bit here and there. I don't want to say punch drunk, but do you ever feel that, like, yeah, I kind of feel it some days. And what do you think about, like, you know, young kids saying, hey, no, nah, boxing's okay. And, I, and I'm not criticizing boxing. I love boxing. And I do mm-hmm. think it is a good way for people. Like I said, I'm a big proponent of amateur boxing because I do feel it's like mm-hmm. a good way for people to say, listen, if you got all that bent-up frustration, go hit the gym and go to the ring and get it out. And I think people would be more – it would probably be better off if they just did that versus what happens nowadays. And you, you kind of see that in the news, what I mean by that. Yeah, well, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that amateur boxing, yes, one of the best, is, and to be honest with you, safest sports because there's the referees that really uh, take care of the kids. So any, any little head snap back, you get an eight count. So they want to make sure they, that you're safe, you know. Right. With, with the professional um, boxing, it's more of a – how you take care of yourself really right so if you see some of the fighters that are a little bit punch drunk or or don't have good communication skills and stuff like that i honestly feel it, it comes down to how you take care of yourself after a fight or after <clears throat> or how you train for me i wasn't a big proponent of always sparring every day i was not you know I, it was like every other day every three days or don't spar for a whole month 
and just work on your skill to 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 get better and then leading up to the fight is when you have your sparring and your you know and, and stuff like that but you don't i i personally feel that you have to take care of yourself after each fight and obviously before so for me it was that i'm blessed that i'm still able to carry a conversation <laughs> hey you sound great to me david that's why i asked that's that's fantastic well by the way and i and i and i remember when i was a kid a friend of mine his grandfather was an old boxer amateur and i remember he was in the corner he was the, one of the guys that was in the corner drooling you know i felt bad but you know i've right. so i've seen that that punch and that drop. was one of my things i never wanted to be that for my kids I didn't want to be that embarrassment. So that's why sometimes you got to know when to call it in. Right. Some guys know when to call it in. Some guys don't. Some guys know how to take care of themselves and some guys don't. The ones that you see that are in, in that state are because they probably during their career didn't do that. They went out. They partied after, you know, right. uh, had substance, had uh, alcohol abuse or, or stuff like that, that, Cause that to be. We were getting beat up to begin with, and right. getting now you now you're throwing so bike, drugs and, and or at yeah, least alcohol in there, and it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and that be, and again, like even for me, I'm a I was a light guy, <laughs> right? Right now I'm walking around 195, so and I fought at 135, so I would have to also, you know, get down in weight from 160. I had to take care of. I had to nourish myself after I, I weighed in, get enough hydration. So like that, when I go fight, I'm not, you know, getting punched in the head and then getting knocked out because my brain is no uh, hydration in, 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 the, in the brain. So you don't, you get knocked out, you know? So it's right. one of those things that you have to take care of yourself. You In all the sports, right? But mainly boxing because it's such a brutal sport. David, you started off 26 and 0. And then you lost to Kendall Holt. Did you think your dreams were over after that loss? No, not really. No, no. And, no. and how did you deal I, with I, that? Because everybody I, deals with L's in life. Again, <laughs> watch the fight. A BS stoppage. <laughs> yes, y'all, no doubt. I was going to say that, no doubt. A BS. That's right, BS David. You tell him. <laughs> oh, it really was. It really was. Oh, I got it. I got. I mean, I. I felt, uh, I, I don't know, that fight with Kendall Holt, I, I still remember it, still haunts me back. I wanted to be a 140-pound champ. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to be a 140-pound champ. I felt that beating Kendall Holt, that was going to catapult me up, you know, to go fight for the championship. But that fight, I, 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 I think he knocked me down, I'm not sure, in the second round or something like that. Uh-huh. And then I, I put the pressure on him. I started getting to him, and I knocked him down, like, in the sixth or seventh, something right, like that. Right. And then, like, in the eighth round, they uh, they stopped it because my head went back, and the, the referee didn't even come in and count me or nothing. He just stepped in and called the fight. Yep. yep. I, I thought it was BS because yes. I was on his ass back to I, – I thought I was going to knock him out. But after that fight, my – my manager and, and trainer, Jim Strickland, who passed away, um, comes up to me because during that fight as well, I was eating myself up to 139. Do you understand? Yep, so during sure. the, wor- the workouts and everything, I was walking out of there at 35, I mean, 36, 37, you know, and he was like, 
listen, why don't you try 135? I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's another pound, man. Right. And, oh, yeah. And that, they, <laughs> that one pound sometimes kills you. But we ended up doing it and, and committed to making 135, and we were able to do that, and we were blessed to, I mean, his foresight to see, hey, you know, you're a short guy, you're fighting 140-pound guys, they're normally one, uh, what is it, 5'9", 5'11", and you're barely 5'4". <laughs> so let's go get uh, that 135. Now it took you two years to finally mm-hmm. get another title shot and against the, uh, the great uh, Eric Morales. Tell us about that fight and tell us about the feeling after the fight when you were by yourself. Well, that fight was uh, a dream come true in every aspect of of how an amateur fighter always thinks about being a world champion. I go back to when I first won my first Chicago Golden Glove tournament here in Chicago. The championship fights are held at what was called the Rosemont Horizon, which is now the All-State Arena. And we ended up having that fight of uh, the Morales fight at the All-State Arena. But back then, as my first Chicago Golden Gloves championship, I always, I was like, man, this would be awesome to have this house packed and everybody screaming my name, you know? Yeah. And, you know, a couple of, it's 10 years down the road and, and, and we're there fighting one of the legends in boxing history, not just Mexican fighter, but, but everybody knew him all right. over the world. And I was able to share the ring with him and he knocked me down and we went to war and I ended up being victorious, and I thank everybody. And I, it still gives me goosebumps when I think about it because my dad was there, my family was there, friends, uh, co-workers, people that I hadn't seen in years were there. Whether they say it or not, supporting me or not, because I have a lot of Mexican <laughs> people that, <laughs> oh, yeah. that were going for Eric. And, and one of my, my grammar school friends always tells me, you know, he's always like, man, it's like my cousin beat you, and uh, <laughs> your mouth because his last name is Morales. He has no affiliation to him, but he, just because he took of credit. <laughs> yeah. No, David. Let me ask you a question. You know, kind of, is there a point where you know it's over and it's time to move on? My moment of it's over was after the Hank Lundy fight. After the Hank Lundy fight that I fought, and I was beating him. I was. I knocked him down, I think, like once or twice, and I had him. And I just got laid out in the sixth round. And I, after everything, you know, everybody, oh, congratulate, oh, whatever, <laughs> go to the dressing room. And, again, right, as a rising fighter, you have a lot of people in your dressing room. As a, cha- a world champion, you have a lot of people in your dressing room. <laughs> but when you lose and you're down and, 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 by yourself that's that's it you're just there with i was there with my wife my dad and my manager that was it you know and in my head i was like i was pissed because i got knocked out and i had knocked him down a couple of times i was pissed and i was just saying i'm gonna i'm gonna get a rematch in my head i was just in the couch relaxed and i was just thinking and i was like man i'm gonna get a rematch I'm going to go to Philadelphia, and I'm going to beat his ass in there. I'm going to knock his ass out in his hometown. Because technically, he came to a casino here by in Indiana, which is real close to Chicago. Right. So technically, he was in my neighborhood. 
So I was like, man, you know what? On Monday, I'm going to get up and go run, and I'm going to start all over again. And that's when my body was like, whoa, wait a minute. Let's have a timeout here. <laughs> I was <laughs> going to ask you that. Yeah. I was like, no, you're not. You're not going to do nothing. <laughs> Just relax, go home, and go to sleep, enjoy your wife, have fun, and, and that's it. So it wasn't until about a, a month and a half later that I told my wife, I, I think it's I think it's time. I don't. I'm not. I'm not missing the waking up in the morning and going to run. I'm not missing the gym. You know. Yeah. I, got, it, I mean, there's gotta be a point where your body just says, "Hey, listen, man. Yeah. You've, been, you've been. I mean, you did it your whole life. How'd your wife feel about that? Was she kind of happy? Hey, listen, I'm gonna get my husband oh, back. She was. She was. She was excited. She was huh. very happy. She was uh, very happy. She didn't. She never wanted to be the person to say, "Hey, stop." Right. Because she knew I loved the, the sport so much. In in all fairness, um, when I met my wife, she's actually the one that got me back into the boxing. Because around the time that I met her, I had <clears throat> I had stopped boxing. I had went to Florida and came back, and I just stopped boxing. Stopped. I was sort of like uh, not in love with the sport anymore, and it, it was something that I I didn't want to do. But then we started. I started dating my wife, and we started watching uh, the fights. <laughs> you know, you have Floyd, uh, Fernando Vargas, Antonio Tarver fighting and being on pay-per-view and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I know those guys. Yeah, we went to the Olympics <laughs> together. <laughs> you know, and it was like every fight or or I would make a, a, a reference to, yeah, my, my boxing friends would tell me that. You know, and she's like, man, it sounds like you missed the gym. And she's like, why don't you go, go over there and, 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 and see how you feel? I was like, you know what? You're right. And I went, and it was like riding a bike again, man, and enjoying it and and feeling good. And I actually, my first day there, uh, one of the coaches, Sam Colonna, had to tell me, hey, man, you got to go. Leave. Because then you're not going to want to come back tomorrow. And so, you know, he had to kick me out of the gym because I was there just hitting the bag, hitting the speed bag, jumping rope, and doing all this stuff. Let me ask you, 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 you kind of said something funny there. When you were watching TV and you're seeing these guys and you're thinking, I'm one of them. Yeah. Do you have that moment where you're like, man, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the man. Like, I'm, I'm a professional boxer, one of, the, you know, one of the best guys in the country. I mean, how does that feel? Because I am not one of the best guys of anything in the country. So I don't know, David. <laughs> but no, how does that feel? Like, so when I would see those guys, I would, I, I would relate. Those are my Olympian brothers. Those are my Olympian brothers because we win the Olympics together. Fernando, Antonio, Floyd, uh, David Reed, uh, Joe Messi, you know, uh, who else was there? Uh, Eric Morrell from Wisconsin. So anytime I seen those guys fight, I said, those are my, my Olympic brothers, you know, and it was fun. And now that I can say uh, Floyd, Fernando, and Antonio Tarver, Eric Morrell, now we're world champion brothers, you know? That's right. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a cool, it's a cool feeling. Like at the beginning, you don't, at the time and moment that that is happening, you know how everybody always calls you champ as a fighter, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know, but I'll just assume I think they do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what they usually tell about champ, champ, champ. So it, it was really cool to have that belt and now to be really the champ, and it was awesome. 
David, before we uh, talk about your business career, very successful business career, when you said the story that nobody was in your locker room, my dad, when I was a kid, told me the Joe Lewis story. When Joe Lewis beat Jack Sharkey, his mother says, Joe, come here, I want you to go to Jack Sharkey's locker. He said, for what? Just go in there. And there was celebration in Joe's locker room. There was politicians, actresses, actors, celebrities, everybody. Joe goes down there. There was nobody in that locker room but Jack Sharkey and his trainer. And he said, that's never going to happen to me. Everybody loves me. She said, it will happen to you. Fast mm -hmm. forward to 53 when Rocky Marciano knocked him out. Who was in Joe Lewis's locker room? Joe Lewis, his trainer, and Rocky Marciano. Now, mm -hmm. fast forward. I, I told you before, Vinny Pazienza is one of my best friends. I used to go to his fights after a win. You had actors from The Sopranos and Pete Rose and Regis Philbin and models and everybody they were drinking champagne from the chocolate cake and all that kind of stuff then when he lost against aaron superman davis which i was in tears who was in his locker or well in his hotel room me my wife his dog and his girlfriend and that bothered me it bothered me mm -hmm. did that bother you when that happened and how did you did that change you as far as trusting people uh kind of with your business life and your personal life no see like it, it from the beginning when me and my wife and I started boxing again, it was just, just always us anyway, with my dad, obviously. So that that scenario for me, I was okay with because the people that I always knew were in my corner were, were in my corner regardless of what happened in boxing. So I knew the people that I had my second go-around, right? Because at the first go-around, I had a lot of friends and everybody just wanted what I brought was the little stardom in their circle. Right. So that was flushed away because again, there was, there was a time. That, oh, when I was trying to go back into boxing, I had a, a, a freak accident, uh, my Achilles tendon tore. And I, and at that time I didn't have no, no insurance, no nothing. So you go and ask your friends that, were there in the highlight of, of, of your career, right, after the Olympics, and you asked them, hey, man, I need help to get uh, insurance or, or money so I can have the surgery. And what did they say? They're like, oh, man, if I had it, I would give it to you. Hmm. And it's, that's why at my second go-around, I knew who, to, who was sure. going to be there in the thick and thin. So and that list is going to be very I, small, I, David. That list yeah, will always be small. Yes, and, and that's how it is now. Now, tell us about the transition. I'm always interested in, and respect and admire athletes such as yourself who have transitioned to another world. Uh, when did you think about the business world and what you went into? And tell us how that, how that went at the beginning. Well, I, I retired in 13, 2013. And, and, and around that time, my wife was starting to dabble back into real estate because she did it when we got married. But then kids came and, you know, Boxing took first place in everything, so she was able to take care of the kids while I boxed. Then 2013, I retire. Um, my wife is starting to get back into to real estate, and about two years down the road, my wife, I think she was jealous that I wasn't doing nothing during the day, <laughs> just <laughs> hanging around the house and, 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 you know, literally doing nothing. I did have a boxing gym that I would go to and help out the kids in, in the afternoon, evening. But other than that, in the morning, I, I, I did nothing. So she told me, you know what, why don't you get into real estate? 
and help me out with the showings and, and do this stuff. I'm like, yeah, all right, let's do it. So I did it. I got my license, and I, I started doing pretty good. Obviously, in the Hispanic community, once they see that that it's me, I, I um, how can I say, I, I it, it helps. It helps sure. with the transaction. It helps with the communication, and it ended up being well. So we ended up going to this real estate company, and then after, I think, about three years later, she was like, you know what? It's time for us to open up our own office. And I was like, oh, man, more work. <laughs> and I was like, all right, all right, let's do it. So we ended up doing it, and now we have an office for about, uh, we're on our fourth year, I think, our fourth year of main event real estate. And, you know, it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing. Our market is good. Uh, our clients are great. And we've been blessed. What are the, some of the everyday activities or work that you have to do? Well, definitely, obviously, you know, get on the uh, on the internet and get on our uh, MLS to to find homes that we feel that would be great for our clients. And also, we market a lot of marketing that we have to do, send out stuff, you know, and and negotiate the deals. Uh, my wife just the other day, you know. Uh, is negotiating a contract for a couple uh, a repeat uh, client referral who uh, is looking to sell their home and you know having to do all of that stuff and and get it done through insur- i mean through uh, inspection attorney review and you know it, it's a it's a fun business though let me ask you a question do you guys have uh like a specific market you target like so for example sometimes there's what they call high end realtors they only right. deal with the million dollar homes, and there's the realtors right. that will sell anything. What do you guys focus on? I'm all sell anything. What do you got, man? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I like to. Hey, get it's a commission every like time you do it. Why not? Yes, and this is what I don't get with these people. Like, oh, I, I don't go over there. I'm like, why not? It's 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 a transaction. You know, it's it's something that the person wants. And listen, man, and I'm okay with you know, yeah, some people that do those. A million dollars stuff and and it's great money obviously but those guys only sell like maybe what two three deals uh, a year and obviously don't have to do nothing no more but my thing is that like i like helping out I, I like seeing the satisfaction of people that say oh i can't believe i purchased a home right. you know i can't believe i was able to do this i have one of my best clients um, I helped her purchase a home for $89,000, man. And she has given me, like, at least about six people, six referrals, man. And they've all closed, mm. you know. So it's like sometimes you get that gratification just by doing something special for someone that, that it feels really good. Obviously, we're getting paid for it, but that feeling of, of helping them achieve something that they never thought could, could be possible is pretty cool. Let me ask you a question. You know, Claudia and I have interviewed a lot of ex-athletes, and a lot of them get into real estate and other businesses, but I notice a lot of real estate. And mm-hmm. at first, you're going to go off your name. You kind of said, hey, the Hispanic community, I'm Dave Diaz, they're going to they're buy from me. But, you know, there's a lot of realtors out there. They're not all good. What do you think you do different because you're successful? Well, the, the reason I th- I, I'm, I'm very honest with them, like, I'm not over here telling them, oh, yeah, let's go get this $300,000 home or $400,000 home when they can't afford it. Or they're just going to be paycheck to paycheck to try to 
purchase that home. You understand? So I, I like try to tell my clients, I was like, let's look for a property where you're going to get value in it down the road, or you're going to uh, get jump into equity in the property. You probably have to fix a couple of things here and there, but you're going to, you're going to be able to fix it up and then you're going to create value in that property. And that's, that's what the, the, I feel that the home buying process should be for you to obviously have something that, that you're comfortable in, that you're going to be spacious enough for you, but it's going to give you some return later on down the road. And if you start, I feel that if we start telling uh, people this, this about buying a home, they will understand the, the process of, of, of purchasing homes. David, what do you tell our audience? How has David Diaz dealt with obstacles slash tough times in his life, in boxing, and in business? I've always been the approach, and I, I think my wife uh, hates me for this, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, it is what it is. Um, you know, if, if something happens, let's say, let's say, for example, a, a bill doesn't get paid. Hey, what do you want me to do? The bill that hasn't been paid or, 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 you know, my car breaks down or something like that. I'm more of a, all right, it happened. What, what can you do about it but fix it? And that's it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a laid back kind of guy that, hey, if something's happening and, and, you know, the house is falling down, I right, just move out the way, make sure it don't hit you. And if it falls, we'll pick it back up. We'll that's pick right. it back up. <laughs> that's all you can do. No, you know? you know what, David, it's funny because you, we were talking before, you, know, you start at a young age and you're, you're, you're fighting, you know, you kind of – You've been in the battles. You've proven, hey, I got nothing more to prove. That's why you can walk away with it, kind of a clean, you know, say, hey, I'm done. I'm trying to move on to my next life. I think that confidence goes a long way. Do you, do you feel like, you know, your personality is shaped in the ways that, you know, it's like, eh, I got nothing to prove? And, and does that, like, you know, kind of resonates from you and, you know, just makes it easier to deal with these things? Because a lot of people that, you know, I've seen people that are, to your point, their house could be falling down, and they go, eh, it is what it is. And then I'm the kind of guy that sees a fly on the window, and I'm calling the exterminator, you know, in a panic. <laughs> You're so, <my> wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's like, you know, how, that, that confidence, though. I mean, do you feel that's like what it is, or, do you, or were you just always like this? I think boxing helped me, helped me be that way, and me being successful early on in, in, in the sport. Hey, we'll get through it has always been my, my attitude. Whatever happens, we'll get through it. What's your most we'll proud? Was it? What's your most we'll proudest moment in your career? In your in your whole career, what was the most moment where you said, "I'm so proud of that"? To this day, I still remember that moment. For me, for me, uh, in boxing terms, is 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 my my Olympic birth. Uh, to be able to represent the U.S. in the Olympics. That's for boxing. A lot of pros say that. They say the Olympics. Uh, Pauli Malnagy, who was a two-time world champion, he said his regret was he didn't get in the Olympics. They say how important the Olympics is. Yeah, it was was, for me especially, man, because um, I come from immigrant families, your parents that that migrated (laughs) here and, you know, wanted the best for their kids. And and to be able to have a kid and and be an immigrant and, and, his kid going to represent the U.S. in the Olympics is, I don't know, I think it's pretty cool. Right. And the older I get, the the more I pat myself on the back for that. No, you should. <laughs> That's right. Like, yeah. I'm you like, should. you know what, man, kid? You did all right. That's you right. You did pretty good, you know? No. And that's one of the most, 
important in, in, in boxing. But in in life, right now is my three boys. My three boys are my life. They're the, the, the most uh, above all everything else is, is my boys. I got a boy in college, uh, one as a junior and the other one's a freshman. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed. What's next for David Diaz? Business conquering the real estate world, conquering the, my real estate world. You know, getting more more properties. I have a couple of properties that that we manage right now. Trying to get more into that, seeing the way and helping clients achieve home ownership because it is one of the best things that people can have and uh, a legacy they can leave to their to their kids. We have, and it's so funny because real estate is there's nothing. Nothing is the same in real estate. There's always something new, and it's pretty interesting. You're learning something every day, you know. So right now I have a property that a gentleman passed away, but and it's funny how you hear these stories, right? A gentleman passed away. He was 80-something. He married a younger girl who was like 40 who was trying to get her papers. The, the, the kids come out and tell me, hey, you know what? My dad never divorced uh, my, wife, my mom, so... He's, he's, this is not a legitimate. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. That has nothing to do with real estate. I'm like, that has nothing to do with real estate. You're going to you start another business. You're going to start another business. Call me next Tuesday. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so it's very fun. I mean, I like real estate. It's, it's, it's interesting. And, and you get these scenarios, you know, that, that come up out of the blue. And, and it's fun. Hey, David, I want to say one thing, though. You know, you talk about your parents coming here and being immigrants. You know, Claudia and I do another show called Italian Impact Weekly, and we talk about how a lot of people's families had to immigrate here, and they went through a hard time to get into this country oh, back in the day. Now, yeah. now, you can just walk across the border, but back in the right. day, it was a lot harder to come to this country, and you kind of had oh. to earn it. And then your kids, you know, and it was always about, I want the best for my kids. And you know what? I'm glad what you just said, because... A lot of people think that, oh, you know, everybody comes here, to, you know, they're just here for this or that. But they don't understand. A lot of people come here, they want to be Americans, at least back in the day mm-hmm. they did. And, you oh, know, yeah. and they wanted the best for their kids. And when your kids take advantage of the American dream, and there is a dream. America's still yeah. a great country, and you can still do great things. It's just hard work, yeah. which nobody wants to do anymore is the problem. Exactly. But, but I mean, fun. you come here, and you, you epitomize what it's about. Your family comes here. My great-grandparents came here. You know, Claudio's great-grandparents came here. You know, a lot of people out there, somebody came here to this country. And it's, you know, you got to learn to appreciate it. And you took full advantage of that. And, you you, you know, you yeah. made your family proud. You made your country proud. So, and, you know, I just want to thank you again for taking the time out of your well, schedule to do this. I appreciate it. And it really, to me, it is an honor to, to just spend a few minutes with you. Because obviously we never well, met before. So I, well, I sincerely you. want to thank you again, David. No, no problem. Thank you. But another quick note: my parents actually were still illegal when when I went to the Olympics. So, the funny thing is that, like, when I was growing up, I was like, I know Barcelona was '92, and after that, they already had the Olympics already set for Atlanta. But you know, to a young kid, it didn't register. Right. <laughs> so for me, I was like, oh man, if I make the Olympics, I'm gonna go. I hope it's somewhere else. But at that time, I didn't know. But the funny thing is that when I did find out it was going to be in Atlanta and stuff like that, I was like, oh, man, Atlanta, I could go there any day of the week. But the thing is that my dad was able to go and my mom watched me fight in the Olympics to represent the U.S. And they 
had it been somewhere else, they wouldn't have been able to leave this country. You know, that's crazy. So for me, yeah, man. For me, it's, it's I always say, God does things the way it's supposed that's to right. be done for 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 you. So. That's right. It all works out if you just have faith. Yep. Um, by the have by faith. the way, I, I'm married. My wife's immigrated from another country, and I had to sponsor people here. So when you talk about immigration illegal, like man, I get it because I've been in those. Yeah. I've had to wait in those lines, and I know what it means. I think you know when people came over here, especially back in the day. And I say back in the day, it's been a while. You know, like I said, my my wife. I was in the '90s. We got married overseas, and then I sponsored her family, some of her family members to come over here, and I used to stand in them lines. And I mean, yeah, literally, that yeah. stuff went around the block. You're waiting yeah. for you're waiting for INS to open to go in there with your paperwork, and you are waiting out there at six in the morning for something that opens <laughs> up at eight in the morning because yeah. there's so many people. I did it in San Diego, so oh man, so yeah. you know, I, so I like I said, I can appreciate it, brother. I can appreciate yeah. it. And again, thanks, hey, thanks, David. I sincerely, man, thanks again for the time. Did no, I tell you he's you a good guy? guy? He is. Claudio said you were a good dude, man. I was like, I, 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 I think. I paid uh, Claudio Sino, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Hope he cuts you in. <laughs> and I'll have that C note in about 10 years. I, I, I'm tight with money, brother. Hey, David, for real, you're an inspiration. I appreciate you. Again, I say it all the time on this show. I Because I'm in the sports world, I enjoy athletes who've done well after their respective careers, and you're somebody who's a role model. And I'm going to keep my eye on you. We'll keep in touch. And I appreciate you more than you know it, and I wish you continued success. You're a good man. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you guys again once again. All right, brother. Thank Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. I told you he was a good guy. I'm telling you, I liked him. He's doing well. And um, and, I, and obviously I remember him biting, you know. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, to me, just to have an opportunity to talk to these guys, I'm like, man, people don't understand. Like, and I'm sure you appreciate it. You know, we, and you've, you even said the same thing. You're like, man, why am I talking to this guy? There's times. <laughs> this guy's awesome. You know, there's times. And again, I, I always preface it by saying I'm not trying to be funny or name drop or whatever. I've been fortunate enough to know a lot of these guys, not David, of course, but a lot of former Pirates back when I was eight. Okay. And I, I'm still with them sometimes or they'll call me. I said, what the hell am I Claudia, where's that money you owe me? (laughs) Maybe vice versa. No, no, no. But it's still funny that uh, even having Cooney on or or being in a plane with some of these guys or a golf tournament, because I still see myself as that eight-year-old kid. But David is somebody that I do study, like a Corciani, Andretti, all those guys, what they've done with their lives. Because the, the, the sport of the athletic career, I've been lucky finishing up my 40th year. But one of these days, I'm not going to want it right. or it's not going to want me. So as I always say, I'm trying to prepare for the next quarter well, of and, and relish every minute of it oh, knowing that. that and that's what a lot of people don't do is they don't live in the moment man enjoy the moment it's gonna be gone yeah. in fact the beginning of the show is already history yeah you know so i mean that's how fast time goes well david won the belt uh in 2007 yeah. I, I mean unbelievable it seems like i remember that yeah, fight you it seems it, like I mean, you're talking what 16 years ago yeah yeah <laughs> it seems like 10 minutes ago but David's a great guest, and I hope, uh, again, you all got something out of it. I know we we did. And we're going to bring more interviews like that, more talk. And uh, we uh, hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Thank you for listening to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Tune in next week for more impactful business and life experiences with Claudio and Steve. Okay, everyone, I certainly hope you enjoyed that interview with David Diaz. Uh, Steve and I certainly did. David's a great guy, as I told you from the outset. Very successful in the ring 
very successful out of the ring. So I hope you enjoyed that. And as always, want to thank our wonderful sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Don's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie, Eric Rick Mitchell for... Uh, the intros and outros, and of course, my wonderful, wonderful producer, Mr. Adam Zalouf, could not do the show without Adam. Don't forget about the Let's Party for KC Kennedy Catholic School. Uh, it will be a four-person scramble at Tam O'Shantner Golf Course, 2961 South Hermitage Road, Hermitage, Pennsylvania, 16148. The golf event will be May 18th. I will be doing every time we do a show, you're going to hear about this event. It's a great event. And again, $100 per golfer. If you would like to get more information or register, please connect with Maria Metters at 330-559-8891. Let her know we sent you. And as always, thank you, Mom and Pop. Thank you for listening to The Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Be sure to tune in next time on ClaudioRosano.com. talk to my mom she can't understand me she gets so cranky and irritable well your mother's ears cannot understand speech sounds and that leaves her trying to guess what you said this makes conversation exhausting for her can we help her Yes, Julie. Once we improve her hearing, she'll be less frustrated and be able to enjoy talking with you again. If your loved one needs help hearing and understanding, call the Roscoe Hearing Center at 814-375-0455. Hearing solutions with the care you've been looking for. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Dom Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Are you tired of paying too much for health insurance? With those enormous premiums, you lose yardage, then get sacked with all the upfront costs. What are you paying for? Lou and his team at My Policy Quote are your number one draft pick. They have access to all the top carriers, and as a brokerage, they have full market visibility with the tools and experience. Let Lou help you and your family find truly affordable quality insurance and quarterback your power play to get you out of the penalty box. Call Lou and his team at 412-609-9963.